Revelation chapter number 1 and verse number 10. John speaking, I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day. Heard behind me a great voice as of a trumpet. I'm just going to stop right there for the sake of time. I want to preach on what John started that verse of Scripture with. I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day. It is very important, and I believe ordained by God and is the will of God that every one of us live in the Spirit. Amen. That's what I want to preach on tonight, in the Spirit. Father, we thank you for your word tonight. Thank you for allowing us to be here. God, for every one of us that's here, I thank you. Lord, I, I praise you for the testimonies, for the praise reports, for what you have done for what you are doing and for the promise of what you will do for those that trust you and believe in and upon you. I ask you, Lord, that you'll anoint the preaching tonight. Speak to our heart. God, allow us to hear what the Spirit would say to the church. Their needs here, Lord, that I don't know anything about. But you're fully aware of them. God, I know you're able to meet those needs through Christ and by his riches. You can do exceeding abundantly above all I ask or think according to the power that works in me. So work in us tonight, I pray, with Holy Ghost power. Supersede even our expectations. And God save, deliver, heal, set free, fill with the Holy Ghost. Don't let us leave like we came in, is our prayer in Jesus' name. If you love the Lord, would you say amen? Amen. amen. It was John, the apostle that penned these words found in our text tonight. I was in the Spirit on the Lord day. We, we understand the setting, or at least most of us do. Uh, he had been placed on the Isle of Patmos. He shares that with us right in the first few verses of the book of Revelation. He had been placed on the Isle of Patmos as a prisoner for preaching the gospel. And uh, they had placed him there with the intent that they were going to shut him up so that he couldn't be a leader or a father to the church, to the Christians of his day. And they just put him there kind of to shut him up until the day he died. Little did they know that you can have church anywhere as long as you're in the Spirit. Amen. I've often said they can throw you in jail, whether it be uh, in China where it's illegal to be a Christian, and God will then turn around and use those men in the prisons. They threw Paul in prison. They said they had to rotate guards every so many hours because if they left a guard there too long, he would win them to the Lord. I like that. Amen. But they sentenced him there to death thinking that he would do them no harm. Little did they know that he's still preaching to us today from that very island through the revelation that was given him of Christ. This was, of course, his punishment for preaching Christ. Patmos was nothing more than a rocky island off the coast of Asia Minor in the Aegean Sea. It was ten miles long and six miles wide. But the apostle never died there. He spent about 18 months on that island and the Lord continued to use him greatly. Although John was in a terrible place, he decided 
that he would be. He chose to be. He prayed to be in the Spirit on the Lord's day. Now, I feel like whatever we're going through, whatever we're facing, whatever we're up against, he was facing severe persecution. He could have, he could have, you know, been in the mully grubs. He could have been down and, and, and downcast and downtrodden and depressed and discouraged. But instead, he said, I was in the spirit on the Lord's day. I'm telling you, I read that and God just began to encourage me. Because in the Spirit, you are whatever Christ wants you to be for that moment. I believe Christ will inspire you. He will encourage you. And whatever your conditions are, the Apostle Paul preached to us about walking in the Spirit and living in the Spirit. And then you could hear him say, I have learned that in whatsoever state I am, therewith to be content. Why? Because Jesus was his everything as long as he was in the Spirit. The phrase, in the Spirit, made the difference, all the difference in the world, while he was a prisoner on a small rocky island called Patmos. It'll be the difference in our lives as well. Our situations, our circumstances, our settings, our moods, our relationships, uh, a lot of times will change on you from season unto season. They will change. But if you are in the Spirit, you can be instant in season and out of season. When John was in the Spirit, there were some great things that happened to him. The whole picture that was so dim to all of us, was revealed as a curtain lifted up. He showed us the glory world. Frustrated, a feeling alone, rejected. He's now confident and accepted as the Lord appears to him and talks to him. You, you hear him speak on later in the bottom of the chapter in verses 9 through 18. He said, I, John, who am also your brother and companion in tribulation, and in the kingdom and patience of Jesus Christ was in the isle that is called Patmos for the word of God and for the testimony of Jesus Christ. I was in the spirit on the Lord's day and heard behind or behind me a great voice as of a trumpet saying, I am Alpha and Omega, the first and the last. And what thou seest, write in a book and send it unto the seven churches which are in Asia, unto Ephesus, and under Smyrna, and under Pergamos, and under Thyatira, and under Sardis, and under Philadelphia, and under Laodicea. And I turned to see the voice that spake with me, and being turned, I saw seven golden candlesticks. And in the midst of the seven candlesticks, one likened to the Son of Man, clothed with a garment down to the foot, and girt about the paps with a golden girdle. His head and his hair were white like wool, as white as snow, and his eyes were as a flame of fire. His feet like unto fine brass, as if they burned in a furnace, and his voice as the sound of many waters. He had in his right hand seven stars, and out of his mouth went a sharp two-edged sword, and his countenance was as the sun shineth in his strength. And when I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead, and he laid his right hand upon me, saying unto me, Fear not, I am the first and the last. I am he that liveth and was dead. 
And behold, I'm alive forevermore. I have the keys of hell and of death. Amen. Now, if you saw that and if you heard that, you'd be encouraged too. Amen. When you feel like you're as low as low can get, and all of a sudden you receive a new revelation of Jesus Christ, here's the man that was closer to Jesus than any of the other disciples. As a matter of fact, in the reference to John in his, in his own gospel, in the gospel of St. John, the Spirit of God describes John as the disciple whom Jesus loved. If anybody could have told you, I know Jesus, it would have been John. Anybody could have told you, I am very close to Jesus. I, I was as close to him or closer than any man that ever lived. But he, he received a new revelation of Jesus. He saw him in all of his glory. And he said, when I turn to See who it was that spake unto me, this voice that sounded like a trumpet. He said, I fell like a dead man. He saw a Christ that he had never seen before. The Christ that he saw was walking among seven golden candlesticks. This will encourage you tonight. He said the seven golden candlesticks were the seven churches. Do you know that Jesus is walking? In his church. Glory. I said Jesus is walking among his churches tonight. I, I, I don't know what I had. Uh, oh yeah, I commented on a post. It was uh, Sister Davis's daughter, uh, Angie. Was I think it was not this past Wednesday night, but the Wednesday night before. She had made a post. Several of our men were working over and uh, the Henleys were gone out of town and you know, several were sick that I knew of and, and she said, man, I'm just discouraged. We had so few people in my church tonight and I went on there and was typing out a post kind of explaining to her what the deal was and I was just encouraging her that sometimes it's, it's like that. People are working over, people are sick, people out of town, attendance is going to fluctuate, but and I was saying, but I heard Brother Corey preach great. I was just trying to encourage her. But before I could make my post, some guy, some kind of bishop so-and-so from over in Africa posted on, on her page, I guess she was friends with, and he said, that is because people are discovering they no longer need the church. All they need is God. Well, after I posted my post to encourage her, I read his, and I just commented on his too. I said, you're crazy. <laughs> Amen. I thought that was plain enough that even an African bishop could understand it. You're crazy. This world would be a horrific place without the church because Christ walks in, moves in and through the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. We are his house of habitation. The Bible said we are a spiritual house made up of lively stones for a spiritual and a holy habitation for Christ to live in and walk among. So I want to encourage you tonight that no matter how alone you feel, he said, I am he that walks among my church. Those seven candlesticks were the 
the churches and Christ is walking and moving in his church tonight. And this encouraged me, and I've preached this overseas to in pastor's conference. He said, in his right hand were seven stars. And he goes on later and, de- and describes what the seven stars were. They were the seven angels of the seven churches. Well, rightly translated or interpreted in the Greek, uh, that word there in King James, angels, in the Greek is pastors. Those were the seven pastors of the seven. And I've preached to other preachers and say, preacher, you're in his hand. You're in his hand. Hallelujah. And I would like to say, uh, you know, he said, I have carved you in the palm of my hand, and no man shall pluck you out of my hand. That wasn't the preachers. That was uh, to his sheep. So I can say not only is he walking among us tonight, you are in his hand. Hallelujah to God. And the devil can't pull you out of his hand. Listen, when we're in the Spirit, the Lord will appear unto us. When we're in the Spirit, the Lord will talk to us. When we're in the Spirit, we realize we're not alone. We, we realize we're in His hand. We realize God is on the move and that God is working and that God is doing great things. When we're in the Spirit, we have victory and not defeat. When we're in the Spirit, we are spiritual instead of carnal. So there will be victory for us as long as we live in the Spirit. The pivotal point in our Christian life could be found in the small phrase, in the Spirit. As warriors, and we are warriors, we're Christian soldiers. And as warriors, we walk in the Spirit. In Ephesians 6 and 10, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. We're in a battle tonight. In order for us to win it, we must fight in the Spirit. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, meaning we don't fight with guns, with swords, with spears, with shields, but the weapons of our warfare are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds there. Spiritual weapons. The flesh is our chief opponent. We're not battling flesh and blood or other people. But we wrestle most of all with this right here. If we can keep this right here in check, if we can keep this right here with the victory most of the time, we don't have to deal with other people very often. We're dealing with self. And so... The flesh is our chief opponent. The spirit lusteth against the flesh and the, and the flesh against the spirit. And these two are contrary, one against the other. They're constantly at war. And if we'll win, we'll stay in the spirit and not in the flesh. Galatians 5 and 16, This I say then, walk in the spirit and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. He didn't say might not, but he said shall not. Walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. So the opposite has to be true. That if I walk in the flesh, then I will fulfill the the lust of the flesh. But if I walk in the Spirit, I can't fulfill the lust of the flesh. Because the Holy Spirit... The Holy Ghost will lead me to do the will of God. 
Romans 8, verses 6 through 9, For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. I want Jesus to cover my mind with his blood, with his word, with his Holy Ghost, because the carnal mind is enmity against God. For it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can it be. So then they that are in the flesh cannot please God. But ye, he's talking to the church, but ye are not in the flesh, but here it is, in the spirit. If you were born again, you didn't get born again in the flesh. You got born again of the spirit. If we were born again of the flesh, that's Nicodemus's way. Can I enter the second time into my mother's womb and be born? He said, that which is born of the flesh is flesh. That can only happen one time. But that that is born of the Spirit is Spirit. He said, you're not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if so be, that the Spirit of God dwell in you. If Christ lives in you, then he said, walk in the Spirit. And if we walk in the Spirit, let us also live in the Spirit. If any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he went on to say, he is none of his. Amen. So as warriors, we walk in the Spirit. I tell people, how do you live for God? How do you keep the victory? How do you keep from, from backsliding? you just one step at a time. That old song, one day at a time. Really, you've got to break it down more than that, one step at a time. Just walk with God. Enoch walked with God, 65 years old, and he began to walk with God until one day God took him, and he was no more. That's, that, that's a short summary of his life, but that's what living for God is. Enoch was 65, and he began to walk with God, and Enoch was not, for God took him. That's going to be our testimony one day. Sullivan was 22 and he began to walk with God. And either this heart will quit beating, and I'll quit drawing, you know, air into my lungs, and they'll throw dirt on me in the grave, and somebody will say he was not. For God took him, or a trump's going to sound, and we're going to be caught up together with the Lord to meet him in the air. And they're going to say of all of us, and they were not anymore because God took him. But in order to be with him, we've got to walk in the Spirit. That's what living for God is. Listen, as redeemed, at now that we're born again, now that we have the Spirit of Christ, then we must continue in the Spirit. You start in the Spirit, and then you have to continue in the Spirit. He told the Galatians church, Are you so foolish, having begun in the Spirit, will you be made perfect in the flesh? you got to keep on keeping on. He said, you, you, you used to. Run well. Who has bewitched you? Who has fooled you? Who has deceived you that you no longer believe the truth? Listen, it doesn't take very much effort to make a start. Anybody can start anything. It doesn't take much effort at all to start. But to continue, that's a different story. We have to continue to live in the Spirit. How long? Until the very end. We can't be made perfect or we can't be completed or finished work by the effort of the flesh. Continuing in the Spirit will bring perfection to our life. In 1 Timothy 1 and 14, that good thing which was committed unto thee, keep 
by the Holy Ghost which dwelleth in us. Glory. That's the apostle's words to Timothy. That good thing which was committed unto thee, keep by the Holy Ghost which dwelleth in us. What, what are some of the things that God has given you in the Spirit? What are some of the things that God has revealed unto you by His Spirit? What are some of the works that God has done in you or through you by the Spirit? He said, those good things keep by the Holy Ghost which dwells in us. The only way you can keep that is the same way you got that in the Spirit. I tell people you got saved through by praying through in repentance. The way you stay saved is you keep praying through. You get the Holy Ghost by praying through. Amen. And receiving that by faith. The way you keep the Holy Ghost is praying through and receiving it by faith. Amen. We've been healed in times past as we seek God for our bodies in prayer through faith. The way you'll get healed again if sickness comes around. If you live long enough, it will. And the way you get healed again is the same way. In the Spirit. By the Spirit. 2 Timothy 3 and 14, But continue thou in the things which thou hast learned and hast been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned them. He said the Holy Spirit, the Comforter, would lead us and guide us into all truth. Truth is spiritually discerned. Spiritually discerned. And it's the Spirit that reveals the truth of God's Word to us. Third, amen, as prayer warriors, we must pray. In the Spirit. As warriors, we walk in the Spirit. As saved, we continue in the Spirit. As praying people, we pray in the Spirit. In times that are so desperate, in times that are so dark, in times that are so needful, when we pray, we need an answer. We need to pray in the Spirit, the Bible teaches us. In Romans chapter 8, Verses 26 and 27, likewise the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities. The Spirit likewise helpeth our infirmities. You know that word helpeth there means to come along the side of. Now this is the way we picture in our mind, Lord I need you to help me. Lord I need you to empower me with the Holy Ghost and to help me. And we wait for some kind of instruction and then we strap it on and we try to do it. That ain't what the word means. The word means for the spirit to come along the side of you and to help you. It means you getting one end and the Holy Ghost getting the other and the two of you carrying it. That's what the word helpeth means. We have to learn to get in the yoke with Jesus Christ. I can't, but he can. He's a strong son of God. He comes along, sends the Holy Ghost to come along the side of me and to help share or bear the burden. If I'm going to get a prayer through, the Holy Ghost knows how to pray. When I need to get a prayer through, the Holy Ghost, uh, amen, knows uh, how to ring the right doorbell in heaven. Amen. He, he knows uh, 
what we need to pray uh, uh, about. The, the Bible says when we don't, he that uh, searcheth the hearts knoweth uh, what is the mind of the Spirit because he maketh intercession for the saints according to the will of God. The Holy Ghost uh, knows the heart of God and the will of God and he prays through us, uh, in us, and for us uh, for God to intercede on our behalf. Ephesians 6 and 18, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. Praying when? Always. With all prayers and supplication. How? In the Spirit. John said, I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day. You can bet it. He was in the Spirit on the Lord's day. He was praying in the Spirit. And it was the Holy Ghost that revealed unto him Christ that ministers unto us even unto this day. Jude 1 and 20. But ye, beloved, building up yourselves on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. Somebody said, why do we need to pray through to the Holy Ghost every day? Because you need to. Is that good enough for you? Why do I need to pray through to the Holy Ghost every day? Because you build up yourself. He that speaketh in other tongues or in an unknown tongue edifieth himself. Glory to God. For the Spirit prays for him unto God. Amen. He that speaks in unknown tongues edifies himself. I, I, I'm not, I don't try to be obnoxious with it. I'm in a prayer meeting and the Holy Ghost is moving on me. I can be praying in other tongues and don't need the whole world to know speaking in tongues so loud that that's all everybody else can hear. And I don't mind when others are praying that way. I'm just saying. I just feel like if my praying through is going to hinder somebody else, uh, I'll just turn the volume down a little bit. But as for me, I have to pray through. But as for me, I have to pray. I have to pray until I start praying. And after I pray for a little while, it never fails. The Holy Ghost is going to come and pray about the things that I don't need, that I don't know I need to pray about for a little while. Do you know He knows what's in my path? He knows what my future holds. He knows what my tomorrows are going to bring. There's sometimes, I don't know what's around the corner, but the Holy Ghost does. And when I'm walking with God, when I'm walking in the Spirit, He's dealing with my heart, Sullivan. You're going to need God like you don't know. This time tomorrow, you're going to need all the grace you can stand. And the Holy Ghost begins to pray in me. The Holy Ghost begins to pray for me. The Holy Ghost begins to pray through me. Sometimes uh, I've woken up in the middle of the night with a heavy burden and I begin to pray and pray and the Holy Ghost will take over. And I realize when I lay back down that God, somebody, somewhere was in need. When it's nighttime here, it's daylight over in Africa. One of my brothers over there, somebody, somewhere, needed somebody to get a prayer through. And when you don't know about it, God does. I said, when you don't know about it, God does. God, Ian Bound said, I have determined that God does nothing except... uh, 
in answer to prayer. Hallelujah to God. Do you realize God has limited himself to the prayers of his people? God is sovereign and God can do anything he wants to do. But the church is his body, born in the spirit, filled with the spirit. And God will move upon that church to pray in the spirit. And in so doing, his will will be performed in the earth. As worshipers, we should worship in the Spirit. Only those who worship in the Spirit can know what true worship is. They that worship Him, here it goes, must, must worship Him in Spirit and in truth. You trying to say I need to speak in tongues every time I worship? That ain't what I'm saying. I'm saying worship is an act of the Spirit. If the Holy Ghost ain't moving you to worship, it ain't worship. If the Holy Ghost is not stirring your heart to lift up praise and adoration to God, if you're just doing it because the preacher said, give me a J, give me an E, give me an S, U, S, yay, 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 then that's not spiritual. They do that at football games. Amen. When nobody else is moving and nobody else is doing anything and the Holy Ghost says, uh, man, just take a lap around the building. I'll tell you what your flesh is going to say, man. If you do that, somebody's going to think you're you're cray-cray. Amen. Somebody's going to think you've lost it. Somebody's going to think you're just looking for attention. But the Holy Ghost knows somebody in here is bound up. I need the Spirit to fall. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's liberty. I'd much, I'd so much rather be in a church where people have liberty to worship and to praise God and be called crazy, be called weird or strange or obnoxious than I have to sit in a service bound up. Amen. Bound up. Somebody said, tighter than Dick's hat band. I don't want to be in that kind of service. No, I want to be where the Spirit's moving. Do you know in a service where the Spirit of God is moving, that's the equivalent to, in biblical times of being at the pool of Bethesda. And only one time a year did the angel come and trouble the water. And the first one that got into the water while the pool was troubled, he was the only one that got touched. And there had been a man there 38 years. And here come Jesus, full of the Holy Ghost. Amen. How God anointed Jesus Christ of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power, who went about doing good and healing all that were sick and oppressed of the devil. You want to know who got that man up off the bed? It was Jesus, yes. But it was the Holy Ghost that led him to a man bound for 38 years where the Spirit of the Lord is. There's liberty. Do you know the Holy Ghost dwells in you? Do you know when the Holy Ghost stirs you to worship and the Holy Ghost stirs you to lift your voice?
voice or clap your hands or stomp your foot when the Holy Ghost leads you to testify? Do you know that's the equivalent of the Holy Ghost or the Spirit of God troubling the water? And do you know people can't get free where somebody won't obey God? Oh my God, we need to worship Him in spirit and in truth. Why? Because it creates an atmosphere of liberty where there is no joy. God rains down joy. When somebody's tormented in their mind, He'll rain down peace. When somebody's bound up, He'll shake the prison walls down and bring complete victory and deliverance. That's what it means to worship God in the Spirit. God loves spiritual worship. Amen. That woman at the well, she drank water from those earthen pots. She had to come back all the time because it didn't satisfy. Jesus said, lady, I want to put water in you. That will spring up out of you under everlasting life. If you drink of my water, you'll never thirst again. You know she believed on Christ. As the Messiah and that well sprang up immediately, she ran into the town and said, Come and see a man which hath told me everything which ever I have done. Is not this the Christ? Do you know most of the men of that city got born again? Man, if he can save that woman, he can save me. Praise God. This is worshipers. We must worship in the Spirit. God is a Spirit, and they that worship Him must. Worship Him in spirit and in truth. Philippians 3 and 3, For we are the circumcision which worship God in the Spirit and rejoice in Christ Jesus and have no confidence in the flesh. We are the circumcision. That don't mean we're the Jews. No, but we've been circumcised with the circumcision of the heart. Circumcision was a cutting away of the flesh. And spiritually that's a cutting away of carnality. We're crucified with Christ. The old man is put to death. The, it's a type of a cutting away of the flesh. We're risen with Christ in the newness of life. And now we walk in the Spirit. Now we live in the Spirit. So we also must worship in the Spirit. For we are the circumcision which worship in the Spirit. It's always been amazing to me whether I go to Africa or to the Philippines or to Ecuador or to the Dominican Republic or to Jamaica or wherever I go, I can worship. Whether they're singing in Swahili, whether they're singing in Spanish, uh, whether they're singing in, in, in uh, the, the dialect that they sang in, in uh, the Philippines, Tagalog, uh, whatever it is, I can worship. With, I don't understand what they're saying, but I feel what they're feeling. I feel what they're feeling. And many times while I'm preaching, they don't understand what I'm saying. And I, I preach something in English and I watch as that crowd comes up, you know, in acceptance, in applause, with amens and hallelujahs. And the interpreter hasn't even repeated what I... They feel it. They sense it. They know it. It's the Holy Ghost ministering to their life. Amen. We worship in the Spirit. 
As brethren, we love in the Spirit. Whoo! You ought to say amen right there. You know you got to be spiritual to have real love. Jesus said, even the Pharisees loved people that loved them. Honored people that honored them. Did for people that did for them. He said, but I'm saying to you, love your enemies. Do good to them that hate you. Oh, brother, brother. That's real love. Love is a spiritual attribute. The fruits of the Spirit are love. Joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. Love is a spiritual attribute. And the only way you can love everybody is in the Spirit. I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day. I know some church people that can only love people that look like them. I know church people that can only love people that worship like them. Hey, I got saved in the Holiness Church. I know people, and if the people don't sing out of the hymn book, they can't worship with them. I've preached in liberal churches that only sing the Power 88 songs, and if you do sing out of the hymns, they can't worship with you. I don't know how many little skinny skinny jean-wearing worship leaders that I've been in an AG meeting with, and somebody asked one of those pastors to lead congregational. He goes to that young man. He said, do you know that? Oh, I don't do hymns. Oh, I don't sing hymns. Don't know hymns. Can't play hymns. Blah, 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 blah. And I thought to myself, well, get yourself over and I'll teach you one real quick. All you got to do is know how to play. Get yourself over there real quick and I'll learn you one real quick. And then you can change the I can't to I can't. Amen. I know those new songs. You can learn a few old ones. But I know some people, they can't love people that aren't like them. If they're liberal, they're going to make fun of holiness people. And if they're holiness, they're going to condemn or put down people that aren't like them, that live a more liberal lifestyle. They, 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 they can't worship with somebody if they don't sing their song. They, they can't... Uh, even like somebody or get along with somebody that's that's not saved or not born again. Listen, I'm not going to run around and hang out with the sinner, but I am going to love them. I am going to treat them with compassion. I am going to treat them with human respect and dignity and talk like them like they're a human and not a dog. Hug their neck if they, it, it, you know, you know, even sinners get get hurt. Do you know when they lose a loved one, even though they've never prayed and even though they drink and smoke and dip and chew and cuss and fornicate and commit adultery and all that stuff, when one of their babies died, do you know it breaks their heart like it breaks ours? And they're never going to listen to me preach a sermon. But what they can hear is, is a hug around their neck and say, I love you. I care about you. I'm a dad like you are, and my heart's broke for you, and I'm praying for you. And sometimes that speaks much louder to them than a message behind a pulpit. 
in order to truly love people, you're going to need the Holy Ghost. You're going to need the Spirit of God because He sees past the tattoo. <laughs> that tickled me, Brother Dan. Just because I know wholeness people. I'm not putting down on wholeness. I'm not. I'm telling you, some of the most powerful men and women I know lived as close to God and held a, held a, a, a very tight standard and, and were just as loving and friendly as anybody. I don't put down on it at all. I, I, you know, I saved in a wholeness church. Me and my wife uh, try to live as close to God as we can, and we get made fun of in some areas of our life. But hey, I don't put I don't put down on it. And I, I, I've seen I go somewhere and somebody comes in and they are dressed rough. They look rough. They smell like a smoke bomb. Hadn't got many teeth in their head. They scarred up, tattooed up. I'm not afraid one bit. When they come down that altar and fall over that altar and weep and cry to wrap both arms around them. Say, dear God, son, I'm happy for you. I'm happy for you. I love you. Come on back. Come on back. And I don't tell them next time you come, how about dressing a little more decent, will you? Let the Lord touch them. Let the Lord help them. Amen. I was, I was in one church. This guy got to preaching against ladies trimming their hair. <laughs> he only did it because I was there. I was in a holiness church. Pastor introduced me and said, this is, this is my friend, Brother Eddie Sullivan, pastor of the Bible Way Assembly. He said, oh, Assembly of God, huh? I was the only guy in the church with a towel. The whole time he's talking to me, he's going, he got to, you know, preaching against ladies trimming their hair. There's two rows of sinners in the back. I mean, rank sinners. That church had worked and invited and got people to come to church. And he got up there, he's mad because I'm assembly of God and that the pastor loves me. He got up and preached so much garbage and foolishness that night. He told him, I don't care if I was here last year and your hair was dragging the floor. And this year I come back and it's just over your heels where you've trimmed it. You're going to hell. And I told the Lord, I said, Lord, if you would make him shut up. If you'd make him shut his mouth. I'd love to get up there and preach five minutes the gospel of Jesus Christ uh, and pull for those sinners on the back row. Dear God, they're shooting dope in their vein, getting drunk till they pass out every night, living in fornication and adultery. He's telling them they're going to hell for going to the barbershop. God help me. you got to have the Holy Ghost to love people. Jesus loved people. He loved a woman that had had five husbands and was living with a man that wasn't her husband. He loved Mary Magdalene that had seven devils in her that most says was a prostitute when he found her. He loved Matthew that sat at the seat of the publicans. And the Jews hated the publicans' guts. He loved Matthew and just looked at him and said, Come on and follow me. 
And here's the joy of the call of Matthew. He just jumped up and went. He didn't have to go through 12 steps. He just got up and started walking with Jesus. Don't you know that if Jesus hadn't have said, Matthew, follow me, right in the company of Peter and James and John, Jews that were raised in the, in the synagogue, in the temple, Peter said, Lord, he's seen that vision. I'm not eating that, Lord. Nothing unclean's ever come into my mouth. It was Peter that when James and the elders of the church came, to an assembly, and he was sitting with eating with the Gentiles. He said, uh-oh, they might say something to me if I'm sitting over there with the Gentiles. And he went and sat down with the Jews, and the apostle Paul seen him. He said, you're wrong for that, buddy. You know that with God there's neither Jew nor Greek, circumcised or uncircumcision. You preached and seen them get saved and Filled with the Holy Ghost and you just showed separation and division among the brethren. Paul rebuked him and Peter repented at it. God, with God there's no respecter of persons. With God there's only love. Only love. Now if you reject His love, you'll go to hell. If you, if you refuse His love, then you'll be lost. But with Christ there's only love. I'm not saying that there, there, there's not uh, commandments and there are not, uh, you know, uh, precepts and laws and statutes that we have to abide. I'm not saying it's all sloppy agape. And I'm saying Christ has no problem loving the sinner. The man of Gadara that run naked. He didn't have no clothes on. Cut himself, cried day and night, full of 2,000 devils. If anybody... Full of the devil he was. Christ said, let's get in the boat. Need to go to the other side. If those disciples would have known, he's going over there to see that demon-possessed man that everybody goes around two blocks to avoid where that man's at. They would have been shaking in their shoes and said, Lord, this is not a good idea. Do you know we don't need to be in this part of town, Lord? We could get mugged. We could get robbed. We could be killed. Listen, there's countries we've gone into. I'll be honest with you. I was a little nervous going into them. And I said to the Lord, I don't know that we need to be going into countries like this, Lord. I, I, I'm having second thoughts. I, I might be considering backing out. And the Lord would say to me, don't you deem them worthy of salvation? Don't you think these people deserve to hear the gospel at least one time? If Jesus hadn't have been walking with Peter and James and John when he looked at that publican and said, Come on, Matthew, follow me. Matthew got up. Peter looks at James and said, My God, he's got a publican with us. He's got a stinking tax collector. He didn't say that. You want to know why? Because Peter and James and John knew they were just as wretched as Matthew was. And they said, what he done in us, he can even do in a publican. I'm just saying to love, you've got to have the Holy Ghost. Colossians 1, verses 7 and 8. As ye also learned of Epaphras, our dear fellow servant, who is for you a faithful minister of Christ, 
who also declared unto us your love in the Spirit. Amen. Who also declared unto us your love in the Spirit. The Apostle Paul, when he couldn't get to him most of the time because he was in prison, he had sent a fellow minister. And when that fellow servant got there, they treated him just as they would have treated the Apostle Paul who planted, who started, and who was the first pastor of that church. They treated him with as much love, kindness, and respect as they would have treated Paul. And Paul said, I know you got it. Epaphras told me of how you loved him in the Spirit. It's amazing being strangers to people. If you go to conference, there are a thousand people you don't know. It's amazing how people you don't even know love you. I got into, I looked over, I was telling them this morning, some of you wasn't here. I come down off the platform at conference and everybody's out there. Our group is way over here to my left and I can't get to them without just tearing through a bunch of people that's praying really hard. Brother Marshall's group is all around me. And so I'll just pray for Brother Marshall's group. Kirsten received the Holy Ghost under Brother Marshall Adcock, so I told him, I said, I prayed with your group this morning. I owed you one. And two of his received the baptism of the Holy Ghost yesterday morning. He's he's crying on the phones. I was telling him how it all came about. When I I was praying, I was praying for uh, those of you that went to the Dominican with us, Brother Britt, that goes to Brother Marshall's church. He was on the trip with us. It was Brother Britt's sister, Lakin. I was praying with her. She was seeking the baptism of the Holy Ghost. This man kept coming over. He was laying his hands on Lakin's friend, whose name was Rebecca, and she got the Holy Ghost too. He was laying hands on Rebecca. He was just shaking her head around. I thought it was her daddy. He had his hand one time, Brother Dan, he was doing something. He was going... I could tell it was, girl felt like she was a basketball being dribbled. I just kind of got in between her and him. He walked on around the other side and got her by the hand and got shaking her around. I was praying with her right in her ear. I wanted her to get the Holy Ghost. I thought it was her daddy the way he was. I asked him, I said, so loud, I could. I said, what's her name? He said, I don't know. (laughs) He didn't know who she was. But I thought to myself, Lord, he wants that girl to get the Holy Ghost. I'm telling you right now. Amen. I did too. I didn't even know her name. You know, it's it's the love of God that will cause somebody to pray like that for you. That don't even know you. That don't even know you. But Christ knows you. Listen, as being united, as belonging to the church, we gain access in the Spirit. Everything we obtain from God is in the Spirit, through the Spirit, by the Spirit. Ephesians 2 and 8. For by grace are you saved through faith, that not of yourselves, it is the gift 
of God. Every good and every perfect gift cometh from above, from the Father of lights, in whom there's no variableness, neither shadow of turning. Every good and every perfect gift has to be received from God. How do I receive it? Through the Spirit. Same Spirit that moved on you and convicted you of your sins, convinced you that Jesus was Savior and you believed by faith and received Christ at salvation. That was the Spirit of God that done that work in you. And that's how you receive everything. That's how you receive healing. That's how you receive the Holy Ghost. That's how you get the victory. It's all in the Spirit. Come help me, Kirsten. I'm closing as being obedient. We live in the Spirit. Our entire Christian conduct must be led by the Spirit. Every action we take must be in the Spirit. Galatians 5 and 25, if we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. You've got to be obedient in order to be spiritual. If we live in the Spirit, that meaning if we're spiritual people, then let us walk in the Spirit. Let us walk in obedience to God's Word. Let us walk in love. Just as John on the Isle of Patmos lived in the Spirit, we've also got to find a place in our daily walk, in our life, to live in the Spirit. The Holy Ghost is the greatest asset that you and I have as believers in this world. He is still the comforter that God has given unto us to come alongside of us, to help with our infirmities. And the word infirmity means weaknesses. We need the Spirit of the Lord in order to walk in the Spirit, continue in the Spirit, pray in the Spirit, worship in the Spirit, love in the Spirit, and then we gain access unto God by the Spirit. Listen, the Spirit of God should consume every aspect of our life. People around us should be able to feel the same Spirit that they felt when Jesus walked in. I, I've, I've seen it with my own family. You come to, you go to a family reunion. You the black sheep. You walk in, the jokes stop. I've been to the Christmas parties. That brother David knows some of them guys back when I worked with Sherman. We supplied them all their block. All them guys I worked with, I liked them. They were my friends. You go to a Christmas party and walk in, they all got a beer on top of the table. Under the table, it would go. Go along there and shake every one of their hands. I wanted to tell them, don't hide your beer because I'm here. You walk in the room and the conversation about the parties that they were attending, the wild things they did last night, all that stops. You walk onto that job site. I was a machine operator. You walk up and the helpers didn't have nothing else to talk about because Brother Eddie got there. I, re I respected them for respecting me. I was glad they didn't talk that garbage. But it's not me that make them shut up. 
as the Holy Ghost convicts their life. Men don't respect you. They respect the God that lives in you. If you're walking in Him, if they see every day you walk in obedience to His Word and they know He lives in your heart, you know when catastrophic events take place, they're going to call you. They're going to come to you and they say, Will you help us? Will you pray for us? Will you come by the hospital and see us? Will you tell your church about us? We need God. They're going to talk to spiritual people, not people like themselves. Amen. A life in the Spirit is a victorious life. If you're on the Isle of Patmos tonight, spiritually speaking, feel like you're bound up, nothing but rocks and crevices, caves and canyons, sorrow and depression and misery and defeat, heartache and heartbreak, if you can find somewhere, John had to find somewhere and he made him an altar. He prayed until the Holy Ghost came. He said, I can have church on this rock island. He wasn't in Jerusalem no more, but I, I picture in my mind that John is saying, I don't have a synagogue. I don't have a church surrounding me. I don't have a choir. I don't have my pastor with me, but I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day. It was Sunday, first day of the week, when the church, many churches that he and the other apostles helped get established and plan and start. I picture in my mind, he could picture being with those people. He threw those hands up and began to worship. He said, I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day, and I heard behind me. A great voice, as it were a trumpet. I turned to see him. I fell like as a dead man. He raised me up, revealed to me that it was Christ. I'm the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. I am he that liveth and was dead, and behold, I'm alive forevermore. He ain't on Patmos anymore. Amen. He makes us to set together in heavenly places by Christ Jesus. He ain't on Patmos anymore. Do you know that a lot of times when I come to church, this is his sanctuary. This is our place of solitude. This is a place where he makes me to set together in heavenly places with him. I'm lifted up in the spirit. I'm encouraged. I'm I'm poured full. I'm cleansed, I'm washed, I'm made new. If I'm hungry, He feeds me. If I'm thirsty, He fills me. If I'm sick, He heals me. That's what this service is for somebody tonight. You're not on Patmos anymore. You can say with John, I was in the Spirit on the Lord's Day, on a Sunday night. The Holy Ghost came by and touched me. Hallelujah. So I want right now, if we'll stand, I want you to lift your hands up to heaven. I want you to take your mind off your current situation. 